Welcome to Bagels and Blocks, episode 11. We have a special guest, Josh Stern, with us from BT Powerhouse. He's a Michigan uh, basketball beat writer. Uh, welcome, welcome, Josh. Mike, man. Boys, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course, of course, of course. Um, uh, before we get with your expertise in college ball, uh, we just want to talk about Sam. Noah and I played in the National Hillel Basketball Tournament this weekend. as a big uh, basketball tournament for Jews. We we uh we didn't come away with the dub, but a fire no. a fire was lit under my ass for next year. You, you best you best believe, three hundred sixty five days from now the Kiddish Cup will be at Hopkins where it belongs. Definitely, definitely. Well, I I think we we all came into the tournament thinking that we were the best Jews in the country of basketball, and uh, we just got our ass handed. It, it, it was a, it was a rude awakening. J- uh, Josh, we we took a hard L in the Sweet Sixteen from Yeshiva University, who had a 28 year old who who's, uh, was in the army and played professionally, and then now he's a, a make, junior in college. I'm, I'm not accepting that excuse though. Like we we didn't execute, we didn't practice. Like other t- the one excuse I will accept is that other teams practice and were way more prepared. We went in underestimating our competition and overestimating how good we are and how we, we thought we would just be able to walk in there. But surprisingly, the competition was very, very good, very strong, and we just did not <laughs> come with the right mental mindset. And Gardner's jump shot is still missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can, I get a, can I get a backstory on how, how you guys even were able to enter the, 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 the Hillel basketball tournament? That sounds like... Sounds pretty dope, but I've never heard of that before, so I'm yeah, great. We didn't hear about it. We hadn't heard about it until like one of our friends found it, uh, and told us and uh, told us and like got us like engaged with it. And so apparently, it's like every year at University of Maryland, uh, college students or like you're a year out of college, from you can register a team and just like you play five on five at the Xfinity Center for. Like, well, I think this is the first year at the Xfinity. Oh, Center. sorry. Well, it's is a, it always at University of Maryland. Yeah, it's, it's always, always at UMD. And so, and so, you play five on five for like three days, and you have pool play on Friday night. Then you have Shabbat, so we don't play Saturday during the day. And it turned out so we had the brag, the the tournament brackets are announced like Saturday night after after sundown, of course, because we're the Jews. Shabbat, it's a day, it's our day of rest. Um, and so the the turn the it was announced after, after dark, and like it was all, obviously it was pushed back because like they had to play a bunch of play, a bunch of like the other games because there was like how many people was there? It was pretty poorly run. Was, there was, there was it, like four hundred athletes. Not there. to trash them, but like because there were forty four teams there plus eight girls teams, like a lot to like <laughs> kind of manage along with the lack of Gatorade and water. They ran out by the end of the second day, but everything was off time. Like we were two hours behind on Friday, and then Saturday we didn't get out of the gym until two a.m. Yeah, and then we had, we had we had a, we had a two we got out of the gym at two a.m. Then had an eight thirty eight eight a.m. game the next yeah, day. Did. That was kind of brutal. Again, no excuses. We're gonna bring it. We're gonna bring it home uh, this year. I think that overall we had we had a great time. Yeah, also, it, was, it was a very fun weekend. The the, the, the first night, me and Gardner ended up, at, ended up at a frat house, and Melo Tremble was there. Yeah, Melo. So. Yeah, Joel Melo, Melo Tremble was at was at this frat house. It was unbelievable. Ta- taking shots of cheap vodka out of the bottle. So, yeah, I mean, look, he's still a college kid. He hasn't technically made any money yet from the NCAA, so he's just as broke as we are. I mean, he's got a drink <laughs> right now. And, and don't ruin his draft stock, man. Don't talk about him drinking at frat parties. He just declared. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's much of a future in the NBA, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, next year we'll be back better, bigger, and stronger. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'll, I'm I'm already taking a personal day on the for the first day of the tournament next year. No questions asked. 
Sam, yeah. Sam will be one of the people there. It's first gonna, year out of college, it, who will yeah. be flying back to play. It's gonna be in my uh, before I sign any <laughs> any you know work contract. I'm saying I'm, I'm taking this day off. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's let's get let's get to this national championship game last night with uh, UNC and Gonzaga. I mean, it was pretty ugly, and I was rooting for Gonzaga the whole time. But I mean, I guess you can feel you can feel good for the UNC redemption story. I guess. That's the thing. I was I was uh. Talked both ways. I like wanted Gonzaga to win because they're Gonzaga, like the small school. But at the same time, I did feel like UNC kind of deserved it after last year's whole thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I just have a lot of respect for UNC because they haven't had a one and done guy in ten years. So that, I think that's it, really that's really cool. I, I I think you just gotta root for that, like for for that kind of team right now. I mean, obviously, like they get they get tons of the best players, and like Roy Williams is a legendary coach. But the fact that they they're actually keeping their players for more than a year, like I just have a lot of respect for that, and I think it's fitting that that team wins the national championship. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And uh, Josh, feel free to chime in whenever whenever you. Uh... Whatever you... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you guys start. Um, I mean, I find it, I, I found it interesting that uh, it felt like both teams were just trying to throw the ball as hard as they could at the basket last night, and that their offensive rebounding would just carry them, yeah. which is kind of what happened throughout the first five games for both teams. I mean, Gonzaga was obviously more prolific from behind the arc. They were knocking down their threes, even last night. But um, but literally, Carolina just goes 6'8", 6'10", and 6'10", in the front court. And it just kind of showed. And they would just throw the ball at the rim, grab rebounds. Um, yeah, I mean, Mike, you're totally right. It was a it was a dumpster fire of a basketball game. I mean, the second half was, was pretty much unwatchable. Um, I mean, to me, the turning point was when Nigel Williams got totally busted his ankle. It was a close game up until that point. And it was clear. I'm surprised that Mark D kept going to him down the stretch. I would have used him as a decoy. Um, maybe would have. I, I don't know, maybe gone inside. I, I mean, Zach Collins had thought that at that point. He couldn't have gotten him. But, yeah, it was, it was disappointing that Gonzaga, I think, ultimately lost because Williams got busted his ankle and uh, they made a few too many mistakes down the stretch. Well, 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 I agree, but I, I think, like, I, I, Karnowski was so bad last night. I don't night. think they have anyone else who could really create their own shot. No, I, I disagree with you. I thought, Kar- I mean, Karnowski was so bad, but he was getting such good looks the whole night. I was just like... You so got, you're not you going to toss him down the stretch. You got no. You, I, 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 I would have given him the ball because once, once Nigel Williams got like hurt his ankle, that play would have, I would have fed the ball. He, to was, he, was, he was terrible. He was so believe, bad. Couldn't believe how bad he was. He was horrible. Um, and Karnowski, I don't think took a shot outside of five feet, and everything was just short or off. He couldn't get anything off the board. He, he looked totally out of sorts. Yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely. But like, I, I mean. UNC and Gonzaga, as you said, they both played. They, they, I mean, pretty much most of the season, they both played like shoot the ball, get the offensive rebound the whole year. Um, I mean, both big men did not play great. Both, uh, what's the name? Kenny Meeks and Karnowski both didn't play great last night. I mean, everyone was in foul trouble, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Jonathan Williams, who's been great for Gonzaga all year, was in foul. I mean, this turned to this turned to a Josh Perkins versus a uh, versus Joel Berry yeah. matchup, and no one really expected that. Especially with how bad Justin Jackson was. Well, what did you guys think the repercussions of that out of bounds call, that Bosch out of bounds call were? I mean, obviously it was a, a big play. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Went, that went in UNC's favor. That should have gone in Gonzaga's favor. I mean, what what was the exact time and score at that point? Like I, I don't Josh, know. you remember? What was the score? No, I know what you're talking about. Where Meese's right hand was out of bounds when they called it a jump ball. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was like yeah, yeah. under a minute left, right? 
Yeah, it definitely wasn't more than two minutes. I don't know exactly. But, yeah, it was a critical point in the game, and the refs, I mean, the fouls are excusable, you know, if they're calling fouls both ways, but missing that's pretty inexcusable at the end of the game. Yeah. Especially with how close they were calling the whole second half. Yeah. Very physical uh, game. So, did you guys see J.J. Reddick's tweet? <coughs> yeah. Yeah, he basically just tweeted, like, congrats, UNC, but every single player should, should be getting paid, um, you know, yeah, right now. So, like, I... Should we what? You didn't see his tweet? He was, he was completely botched with yeah. his tweet. No, no, no. That, that, he, that, was, that was, was something much, about him with the tweet. Was. It was pretty much just saying how they should all get paid. And, yeah. uh, um, and that and that the NCAA is corrupt and all that kind of stuff. What, what I found interesting, like, yeah, it got retweeted a million times. Yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah he's 100% right. I, I, I mean, this, I don't think this is much of a debate anymore in that, like, I mean, there was some Twitter wars the past few, the past few days with uh, Dakich and Kaminsky. With about this type of like, do college athletes deserve to get paid and all that? But um, yeah, I, I think that's the, the extent of it. Is that like most, the overwhelming majority believe that college athletes should get paid. J- J- Josh, what's kind of the overwhelming view at Michigan, like from a I guess a student's perspective, and then maybe I don't know if you've talked to any of the basketball players, but like, do you have, do you have any insight there? Yeah, um, no, I don't. I don't have much insight. I mean, Michigan is obviously a big school like UNC where um, there's money for, I mean, players get money for meals, players get stipends, things like that. Um, I mean, look, here's, here's my take. Even if you're not going to pay the players during the year, you have to give the players something during the NCAA tournament. The NCAA is making over a billion dollars per tournament, and if you want to actually give incentives to teams and players and these guys that want one and done and all these things, then I think that each game that a team wins in the NCAA tournament Whatever money's lost to a school, you set it for like 20 or 30% and give it to the players. Because for each game that the team wins, the university is making a crazy amount of money, and so is the NCAA. So if you want to make it incentive-based, I think that's one way you could do it. That would make the regular season important for wins and losses, but the NCAA ex- tournament extremely important for money and incentivizing. Uh, yeah, I totally, 100%. So, sorry, so, so just to be clear, so, so you're saying that like 20 to 30% of this revenue from every win would go to the players? Yeah, absolutely, because, I mean, that's, that's money that the, the school isn't guaranteed going into the season. Right. You know, schools are guaranteed X amount of TV revenue, radio revenue, advertising dollars, fine, but for each win, each time that the team is on TV, that's additional revenue that wasn't budgeted before the season. I think that makes sense. So, so basically, like, anything marginal gets split up. I, I, yeah, I think yep. that makes sense. So, but... Just one thing, do you think that players that, you know, ride the bench and don't really play any minutes should get the same amount as, like, or, you know, should Joel Berry get the same amount as uh, some guy that, some walk-on that rides the bench and played 10 minutes all year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to say yes, because, you know, the walk-ons are valuable. I, I don't, I, obviously, I didn't play Division One basketball. You guys play basketball at Hopkins. But I feel like each of the walk-ons kind of brings something, whether they're playing in practice, whether they're being a pseudo-assistant coach. You know, if you're on the team, you're obviously contributing some value, and if you don't want to make it about the individual player, but you want to make it about still about the school, mm-hmm. then don't give each player, like in the NBA, a certain dollar amount, but give a percentage to the team and have it be split evenly that way. Yeah, I mean, if they didn't split it evenly, I don't know what system they'd possibly be able well, to Well, if you don't split it evenly, then, then it becomes, like, essentially... It, it becomes, like... It, it's not amateur anymore. Yeah. Right? I agree. They would, and they wouldn't be able. They wouldn't be able to put a system in place where, like, well, like let's say the best player on 
so best player in UNC versus best player in Gonzaga. Like leading, well, leading scorer is Justin Jackson versus Goss. Uh, Goss. Goss. So like, but Justin Jackson still averages like might average more points per game than Goss does, but then Goss averages more assists, and then you have to account for all these different factors. You wouldn't be able to come up with like an exact calculation for how much each player on each team should get. Yeah, so, especially when it's not like a, especially when that's <coughs> paid like as like a salary, or whatever. Yeah, um, that makes sense. All right, moving on from that. So Josh, like, so you're you're a Michigan beat writer. Where do you see this? Where do you see your Michigan team going? Or the, along with that, where do you see your the conference going the next few years? With um with graduations through uh, uh like Derek Walton, um, and all all the other guys from isn't Michigan. Duncan, isn't Duncan Robinson a senior now? Is he? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, let's yeah we'll start with Michigan. So to answer your first question, Duncan Robinson is a redshirt junior. Okay. And since he was playing the same level of basketball as you guys were two years ago, he will not be going to the NBA. So he's got one more year at Michigan for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there are two really interesting takeaways uh, for, uh, for Michigan's offseason will be, I guess you can say three. So you've got the two current forwards, DJ Wilson and Moritz Wagner, both who have NBA decisions to make, which is ridiculous because both of them will ride the bench in the NBA. But you know, if they go to workouts and they have great, uh, you know, a great workout and NBA teams think that there's the ability for them to be become a first founder, I mean, you know, there's a chance they leave. So those are the two guys I'm interested to see what happens with their draft decision. And then the third guy is Muhammad Bamba. I don't know how much you guys follow high school recruiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Bamba is, Michigan is in Bamba's top four. He is a seven-footer who has a wingspan like a vulture or an eagle. He is a shot blocker. He's an unbelievable defender. He's pretty much like a player in college basketball that you don't see. He is raw. Um, but the most amazing thing about Bamba is he's honest. He's been amazing in interviews, and he's kept his recruitment extremely close to the best. He's got two non-traditional schools in his recruitment with Michigan and Texas, and then he's got the Blue Bloods with Kentucky and Duke. Um, honestly, I'm not sure whether he'll go with a traditional school at Kentucky or Duke or go to Michigan or Texas. Um, Bamba's recruitment, along with Wagner and Wilson, completely changed the trajectory of Michigan next year. I mean, if, if two of them are back or two of them come, you know, Michigan to me is a top 20 team. Um, they, they're bringing... Kentucky transfer Charles Matthews who registered this year he'll be playing next year so he'll be a huge impact guy Um, you're still bringing Robinson off the bench you know you need one freshman to kind of make a difference I think Michigan could be really good if Bamba comes you're looking at a top 10 team with I would say the best front court in the country if you have all three but we'll have to see Really? So do you? I mean, I, I, me personally, I think DJ Wilson will do the uh, whole not going to sign an agent yet and go do the workout sure. and come back. Um, because I mean, I think he did have a good NCAA tournament and like his stock right now is like, I would say like maybe end of first round, early second yeah. round, right? Mm-hmm. And but um, I see like if, if Michigan can be a top team next year, it can be a top ten team next year. I, and he can be a major contributor on it. I think that uh, that makes him to a mid first rounder, if he can if he can build on his success from this year. Um, who do you think takes the reins at like your point guard? Yeah, if, I think that's the key. That's the key. That's, that's, oh, well, you guys are one hundred percent right. So you know the problem with college basketball, you have the good and the bad. So in in the NBA, I know you guys cover the NBA a lot. 
when every single game isn't as important, you're able to kind of bring along some of the younger guys and have them split the minutes. There's going to be some games where you're getting blown out, and there's going to be some games where you're blowing out teams, and you can bring along guys. With Michigan, they needed Derek Walton to play 35 minutes a night. I mean, there was nobody behind him that was genuinely ready uh, for bigger minutes this year. You have a kid in Xavier Simpson who's a freshman who in high school has scored 40, 50, 60 points in a game. Clearly the talent is there. But he was just a step or two too slow this year. He was, he's a good defender, but he's small. They list him at six feet. I don't even know if he's that big. Um, there's question marks. Um, you have a guy like Eli Brooks coming in next year um, as a recruit. But, you know, if if you get a guy like Bob, let's say, right? I mean, the play guard really doesn't matter. You need a guy who can dribble, who can play defense, and facilitate the ball to the big guys. If you don't get bombed, then the point guard becomes more important because you actually need someone who's going to score eight or ten points a game and, and can actually contribute. So, no, you guys are absolutely right. If Michigan doesn't have a legitimate point guard, I mean, I think I think the team definitely takes a little bit of a step back or needs to find someone to fill that role. So, uh, what NBA team do you think would be a good fit for for Derek Wall? And then, kind of, where do you realistically see him? I guess, like fitting in in the NBA. Like, do you think? You know, do, do you see him as a, a long-term starter or a role player? Like, kind of, what, what's your view there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I would have said up until the last 15 games that Derek Walton would have been playing somewhere overseas, would have had a nice career. But I think the flip switch, he kind of had this aggressive, extremely attacking mentality that, that he had at times, but uh, but it took him a while to, to actually get that role. I mean, on his, fresh, his freshman year, played alongside Karis LeBert, Nick Stauskas, and Glenn Robinson were all playing in the NBA. So he was a facilitator. Um, and I think he kind of loved that role, and it took him a while to, to become the alpha and the scoring point guard. Um, I mean, look, I don't think he's going to be a starter. He's six feet, maybe six one. Um, he's a terrific rebounder for his size. That's the one thing that always jumps out to me. Maybe it's a product of Michigan defense. They have the big box out a little more, and Walton attacks the board. Um, I mean, the best comp to me is Yogi Ferrell. You know, he was a guy that kind of came out of nowhere, wasn't drafted, wasn't highly regarded. Um, I, I think it'd be better for Walton. I, I read this somewhere, and I completely agreed to not be drafted and play his way onto a summer league team and then kind of have a chip on his shoulder. That's been the thing for Michigan and for him especially uh, that's been propelling him and why he's been doing so well. Um, so I'd say a role player, maybe he's a guy that gets 10 or 15 minutes a game off the bench, but I don't think anything more than that. Same question, but for Zach Irvin, because I lo- sure. I've i loved Zach Irvin. For yeah, that. he was balling he's, out in the tournament. He's, he's great. I think he's uh, so good. Zach Irvin is the Michigan fan's ultimate headache and nightmare. I could totally see that as well, because you see Zach the potential Irvin, every time he's Zach, on the floor. And, the, yeah. and then he gives you games where he's just nothing. So, Zach Irvin, like Walton, came in freshman year on the Elite Eight team, was phenomenal, came off the bench as a shooter. Um, and then the problem was he kind of never really developed into a star. He was he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school in Michigan, got all these huge things from him. Um, but I think if you're looking for Zach Irvin at the next level, what's really nice is he kind of settled into his role as the season wound down. He had two NBA caliber forwards, as I mentioned before, in Wagner and Wilson in the front court. Um, and he was more of a rebounder. He only probably took six or eight shots a game. He became a great defender. 
Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be drafted. If he's drafted, I think he'll be released. But he's the kind of guy, too, just like a wing who can bring energy off the bench. Um, for him to stick in the NBA, though, he'll have to reliably knock down an NBA three-pointer. So I don't know. You know, he loves the elbow and the mid-range and the curls and, and all that nonsense junk that works in college that you get blocked in the NBA. Um, but no, I, I think he has a chance to make a roster too. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say definitely, but but the chance is definitely there for him. I mean, regardless of how he'll play overseas, he'll be fine. But yeah, uh, sure. so so with with your conference now, like Purdue probably losing Swanigan this year. Yeah. With Wisconsin losing uh, uh everyone but Hap. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody but Hap. Uh, yep. Where do you, what what do you, what do you think is the next step for like where do you think Michigan fits in, and where do you think uh. Who do you think wins the conference next year? Yeah, no, that's that's the big thing. Um, and and how, and do you think you guys will be represented like well in the tournament next year if you guys if the recruiting is not so great and like you guys and uh, uh, and everyone just takes a step down? I mean, let's 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 talk. We can talk about the tur- the next year's tournament for a sec, but let's just focus on the Big Ten in this year's tournament. I mean, you guys thought that the Big Ten seeding was absolutely ridiculous, right? It was all out of whack. I don't think anybody who actually watched any Big Ten games sees it. I think they just picked out of the hat and said, we'll put Wisconsin off the eight line. Like, how Northwestern and Wisconsin were on the same seed line to anyone who watched any college basketball knows it's completely ridiculous. Maryland was a six. Yep. And Minnesota was a five. Hey, that was a joke. Yeah. So... Um, Mike, to answer your question about how the how the conference will be represented in the tournament, I have no idea. I mean, people thought this year the Big Ten was the weakest power conference because it didn't have any big star power team, you know? So it, it's too early to tell. Um, in terms of next year's conference, I mean, you can look at Minnesota. They don't lose too much. They were really good this year. Um a team like Iowa, I mean, Peter Jock is a stud. Peter Jock, by the way, boys, I think is going to make a lot of money and make whoever drafts him a very, very happy GM in the NBA. Um, and then a team like um, like Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern has all their pieces back, too. Yeah. Um, they were really good. Scotty Lindsay was injured for a couple games and kind of derailed them. But, I mean, I mean, Chris Collins is doing an Evanston after that team was a dumpster fire for 75 years. Um, how, how tough yeah. is it to watch that Northwestern game winner against Michigan? Oh, oh man. I mean, Michigan didn't play particularly well. The second half was, was an awesome game. But Michigan's done this a couple times this year. The thing that killed me was they had the ball with less than 15 seconds left. <clears throat> the shot clock was off. And this is this is the bad Zach Irving. He's a good Zach Irving when he's making shots and he's playing defense. Zach Irving took a... a three-pointer two feet behind the arc with 12 seconds to go, and Michigan missed a rebound for no reason, just because he felt like it. So it was more frustrating because it it was a situation where you should either go to overtime or win the game, and Michigan lost the game. And those, as a fan and as a coach, are absolute killers. Yeah, absolutely. Another team that I think is going to be, I mean, Michigan State's really young, right? What? I mean, Miles Bridges... Uh, he's, he's going to be drafted. No, no I, I don't know. I, I think he might return. I disagree with you. I mean, you I think look, he's gone. You just look at my screen. No, I I, I was looking it up. Look, okay, <laughs> just checking. Um, 
But yeah, Michigan State has a very strong recruiting class. I think sure. that, you can never count out a Tom Izzo coach team. It's so uh-huh. cliche, but it's so true. And I, I think they're going to be a very strong team next year. And if Bridges comes back, that's icing on the cake. Uh-uh, yeah, I think he's got the guy. I mean, the guy for me for Michigan State to watch for, even if Bridges doesn't come back, is Nick Ward. Yeah, I feel like Izzo completely mismanaged him this year. I think you'll see him probably ten or fifteen pounds lighter, so he can go longer. Because when he gets the ball in the paint, I mean, it's pretty much two points or a foul. The guy is unstoppable, but he just couldn't stay on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, and we saw that in the first game of the um, yep. tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so move forward. Uh, what, what I wanted to point out that I kind of like this year is the the pool that we did this year with the uh, the oh, yeah. Madness. Can you explain that real quick? Because that's kind of yeah. a, that's kind of a uh, uh, it's kind of deviation from what we usually do. Of course. So I love the NCAA tournament. I think it's the greatest sporting event, hands down. The fact that it happens every year, and not every four years, like the World Cup, is it's amazing. Anyway, so. I feel like there's not enough skill in picking the winners for the NCAA tournament. Whoever won your bracket this year probably watched two or three games, and you're really frustrated because they picked the two one seeds to make the national championship game, because of course they did, and you didn't because you thought it was going to be a different set of teams. Anyway, we decided, well, my uncle and his friends last year did a player draft, so each team gets five players, two guards, two forwards, and a center. And ESPN list is center. ESPN list, which, like, Noah and I were talking, we're going to fix that for next year. We're going to go with a utility player as the fifth guy. Thank you. A disaster. Thank you. That was so look, bad. I think it should look, be... Look, look, look. We are, we are welcome and open commissioners to new ideas. We're not perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, anyway. Yeah, keep going. So, yeah, so it's just a number of points throughout the, throughout the tournament. So, like, I was watching Arizona, and I drafted Larry Markkinen, who I love. And he, Arizona lost to Xavier in the Sweet 16. So it's not just like, oh, Arizona lost, they're out. It's like, now I'm down my best player. And it just adds a totally different wrinkle and dimension to the tournament. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, so I'll talk about the team that Noah and I, Noah and I split a team. And we, uh, I'll, show you, I'll tell you, who we, we drafted Monk, Malik Monk in the first round. We took... Um, Took Karnowski in the second round. We took Karnowski because of the true center label. Yeah, Karnowski. We thought of, that would be a huge advantage for us. And it actually was though. While he, he did, up, while he did do well, but like he could have been so. He much could have been more. so. Yeah, it was such so far. We took S- Semi Ojale in the in the third. Juwan Evans in the fourth, and VJ Beecham in the in the with our no, fifth. I think we did Beecham or, and then yeah, Evans. Beecham then Evans, and so we kind of bet the house on there being a bunch of upsets. And while there were a bunch of upsets, we kind of got screwed by getting upset, as in Ojale. I was on the US, I was on the SMU train. Uh, we were we were we were fully riding the SMU train because like Ojale had a huge game, put up twenty four in against USC in the first game, then they lost by what one? That, that kind of sucked. And then Juwan, <coughs> we we were fully on the train of Oklahoma State, just completely out shooting Michigan, and then Michigan just came out and just had the best shooting game they've had they've had all season. Yeah, and, um, that game wasn't. Insane. That was probably my favorite game to watch this whole tournament. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was, it was my favorite game to watch, but that, along with the other two Michigan games, nearly ended my life. So that, that's just a normal day for Michigan. But anyway, Mike, continue. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, um, I mean, Malik Monk was nothing special, like, all tournament. Like, it, I, yes, he made some big shots. They showed the, some 
he showed some flaw, like some flaws. Like he, sh- they showed if you put a guy with length on him and just run, like run him off the yeah. point line. No, but he, I mean, he was shooting threes and he just shot him terribly. He, he yeah, shot, no, but shot, but but, but what Noah's saying is that you put like some Justin length. Jackson, and, Justin Jackson, like they they had him on, him yeah. and he hit two huge threes at the end. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, like, he was quiet. He put up twelve was, points in the game. Yeah, he was. It's just like get a handle. No, I, I, I said from the beginning that I'm, I think Malik Monk is way overrated. I said that during the regular season. All right, yeah, and um, and I mean the team that won, which was uh my my friend Jack Fass Fastelli, he took Monte Morris, Nigel Williams, Goss, Kayla Swanigan, Zach Collins, and Jack and Jock Landale, and I mean having two players advance to the finals was was huge for him. Plus Swanigan put up uh big numbers through the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but like it really didn't seem like anybody here had a huge like, two eighty two is pretty good from Jack. But like no one here, I feel like I feel like there would have been plus, some plus three hundreds, right? Like, not a lot of people had had a lot of people had people in the lead eight. Well, so here was the problem when when Duke lost and Villanova lost and Arizona lost, you lose three huge star power teams. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. Yeah, and and it's in when UCLA lost. Speak, mm-hmm. Speaking of that, uh, do you, all right. So as a, as a fellow Nick fan, you said you're going to the game tonight. Yeah. If, if we if we get a all right. So right now we're projected at the six, and who we'd say like Fultz. Yeah, Sydney Aaron Fox. Like we say, Lonzo's off the board. Fultz's off the board. Josh Jackson's off the board. Who else be off the board? Do you think? Um, I want Lonzo. Who you say? I want Lonzo, 100%. I want Lonzo, Lonzo. too. I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's dropping a six, though. I mean, Lonzo, yeah, no sorry. way he's dropping a six. But, um, sorry. All right, so we Josh, so Ma- we have... Ma- Monk will probably be off the board. Monk yeah, will Monk will be off the board. Monk will be off the board. All right, so, Mike, so who's, so who's realistically on the board? If, if What, what do we think? Dennis Dennis Smith, Smith, Smith. Smith. So we have Dennis Smith, Fox, 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 Jason Tatum. Markinen. Markinen. No, Jason Tatum will be top five. You think you, you think it'll be off the board? Uh, I think I think I Tatum. Think like, I, I think no, Tatum might go before Monk. You can't draft Markkanen. You can't pick two. You, you right. can't strike gold with two Europeans on the same team. Yeah. You, know, you got lucky on the <laughs> one. You can't do it twice. I agree. I, I'm so scared, Phil. Like I don't. I, I like this guy out of France, that point guard. But like I do not. I I need Phil to draft us like a sure, like a sure thing. Someone I've seen. Yeah. Like like I need. I, I would. I'm happy with the De'Aaron Fox. But but. I'm happy you, with... You think De'Aaron Fox is a sure thing? I think he's a sure thing to be a, a, an up-in-your-face defensive point guard who, who can get to the rim and run a good screen and roll with Chris Tapps. I agree. Like, you and our other friend, Zach Broner, are calling him Alfred Payton 2.0. Yeah. I don't really... Like, I see the comparison, but at the same time, Alfred Payton played at Louisiana Lafayette, and, like, like De'Aaron Fox scored 39 against UCLA. No, it's the hair. The only real comparison is the hair. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> Well, no, no, but like, they, they, I mean, it, it, it's like a modern point guard that doesn't shoot threes, though. Right. They're totally different players, though. They're like, what do you, I, I, no, I, no, you know, but both of them are like triple double th- threats, like quote unquote. No, right? they're not. How? I, 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 Alfred Payton has a bunch of. No, I'm not talking about. I'm, I know Alfred Payton is, but Darren Fox is like a slashing point guard who get. Who, no, I'm saying he's he a re- his little floater. It's, it's, and, and, like, and, and that's what uh, Alfred Payton's kind of a in the middle in the middle of the quarter, you know, in between the three point line and the basket also. Uh, I I I mean, and and coming out of it like Alfred Payton, I mean as Robbie said, uh, uh, De'Aaron Fox has been at Kentucky playing against a top competition all year, like, and uh, like, I I I think I think he's a more sure thing than Alfred Payton. 
right, his vision off of Peyton went 10th. Yeah, what do you guys think about the one player you guys haven't touched on is Dennis Smith. I haven't. I, I, I mean, I personally think Dennis Smith's the most, most explosive player in the draft. But, like, yep. he's been so inconsistent this year. Just, I mean, if you, if you just look at his numbers, like, you don't even need to watch him play. You just look, look, look at his, like, stats and the games where he goes for, like, six points and then the next game he scores 30. So, I'd I mean, be happy if he's on the next. I'd take him on the next. Yeah, but y'all, he's also coming up an ACL injury. Dude, that's yeah. Not, yeah, but he was so explosive this year that it doesn't matter. And look at a guy like Markel Fultz. I mean, look, obviously Washington was a dumpster fire, but you got to at least have your team win twelve games in Division One basketball to be considered better to be the number one pick. You know, I think it's ridiculous. I I disagree. His team is awful, and he is he does he has no flaws. There's not a there's not yeah. a flaw. In there's his no game. single flaw to his game. Also, it's really a pity that um that. Everyone from Washington left last year. Yeah, like if That's you played with Marcus Chris and like what if and, Dewan, and, 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 well, Murray, Murray. What, if, yeah, yeah. what if William Goss stayed? He, he's a Washington transfer. Oh yeah, and and Williams Goss. We yeah, what, what if and like they they had Michael Porter committed. Yeah, they, that could have been a squad. Yeah, like they've they had like talent that came in at like different times. That yeah, well, no, it was, because yeah. both those guys committed to the draft after Fultz was committed already, so, like, he was he was trying to go to a team that was going to compete. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to a team and sc- score 30 a game and have full reign. He was trying to go to a team that was going to be going to be good. All right, also, also, along with that, like, he, the Pac-12 was one of the strongest conferences in the in the, yeah, in the country this year, and he put up those numbers against great competition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, and well, the Pac-12, Pac-12 and, like, to be fair, the top of the Pac-12 had three potential Final Four teams, at the bottom of the Pac-12 could have been, like, a, a terrible mid-major league. Oregon State was horrific this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, it, that's true. I mean, the, the, so that's kind the, of a weird... What do you do there? You know, you beat up on really, really, really bad competition in conference. You did well against the good teams, but the sample size isn't necessarily big enough against great teams. He had a sick game against UCLA when they lost by 40. Yeah. Yeah, so what does that mean? If you lose a sick game, but you lose by forty. But his team gave him one hundred and one points. He had to, and he had to carry the offense. It's not he, he can't guard five people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for coming on this.